Hi guys, we'll start in a minute. You can just see the numbers going up. Let's give everyone a chance to join. Hope you're having a good, is it, is it Tuesday? Yeah, Tuesday evening. Right, thank you, and welcome to another AST virtual event. Um, lost count of how many of these we've done. Couldn't remember last time, certainly can't remember now. Um, but thank you for joining us again. Uh, hopefully you're enjoying these um, and, and, and all that. So if you do want to tweet out, feel free using the hashtag AST event. Um, certainly if you're watching live. Um, Feel free to raise your hand um, and we'll bring you in when and as we can. It'll be nice to have sort of, you know, as many sort of people, as many different people as well, ones we haven't heard from before, um, just because you, you might bring a slightly unique perspective and something we haven't really thought about. And as always, feel free to use the Q&A feature and we'll either answer your question on air or, or, or in the Q&A itself. We haven't got anything um, on the agenda about finances today, but if you do have questions about finances, because you might have seen the, um, the the last couple of newsletters, put them into the Q&A and Nigel, who is um, in the background, will happily answer them via kind of the Q&A um, for you. So feel free and it, it keeps him busy and gives him something to do this evening as well. Um, so I'm going to stop sharing my screen. So we've got a packed agenda. Um, but before we go on to kind of the football side, I'm going to bring Tim Payton on um, and we're just going to talk about a couple of bits and bobs that have gone on. Um, the first thing to, to say is Mark Brindle has said he's missing Bake Off for this. So, Tim, you better be interesting, otherwise um, Mark might disappear. <laughs> so I think the first thing I want to talk about, pay-per-view. It's been scrapped. Way. Yay! A result. <laughs> Thank you to everybody, all of you who campaigned, who protested, who donated to Islington Giving. By the way, that reached a phenomenal £46,000 in the end when you include um, the tax rebate they were able to claim. But it was it just over 50. It was just over 50. Just over 50, was it? The, it was just... the, the second game picked up a few more. Um, so, yeah, it was just, under, just over 50. Well, it's wonderful. And it sent such a powerful message together with the other supporter groups doing similar. And I think it really shamed the Premier League into reversing their decision. So I wouldn't say pay-per-view definitely is no more, but it is scrapped until at least January. The games have been returned to be shown within the existing broadcast broadcasting packages. And I expect it's very, very likely that we'll see pay-per-view in this format. If we carry on not getting into grounds, I think we'll see the games shown under the existing arrangements. Um, Arsenal were good once we contacted them on this. They listened. I'm pretty sure they did go back to the Premier League and say, you've got to get rid of this. Look at, look at what Arsenal fans are saying. Look at what they're doing. Um, so now we can at least enjoy watching all the games again while we're locked down and not paying for it. Absolutely. A, a very, very good and powerful message from football fans there. Um, Tim, also you mentioned there, until fans return to stadiums, Obviously, there was a, a meeting today and, and it's been talked about recently. If you look on the AST Twitter feed, you'll see one of our members, Chris Hudson, um, giving us hourly updates, <laughs> asking us questions. What's the latest for Chris and everyone else asking? 
Well, I'll, I'll give an update on, on this. The, the government is looking to review the lockdown arrangements from December the 3rd. And the Department for Culture, Media and Sport has to put forward what it wants to happen, including for sporting events and football events. It's widely thought that the government will go back to having the tiers approach, the one, two and three, and it will introduce a fourth tier, which in effect is full lockdown. But Boris Johnson wants to pretend he's not having a full lockdown anymore, so he'll call it tier four. We don't yet know where London will go. What DCMS are asking for is that in some of the tiers, a small number of fans might be allowed back. I think you're probably looking at tiers one and two and probably looking at maybe 1,000 or 2,000 to start with under social distance guidelines. Uh, that's a decision that would have to be signed off by the Cabinet Office and particularly Michael Gove. There's also a group out there called the Sport Technology Innovation Group, which has been set up to look at ways of getting us back to full crowds faster they're particularly looking at things like these lateral flow tests or, you know, perhaps using instant testing outside grounds or people getting a test the day before they go and using technology to upload it. So they might have one or two pilot events to, um, in December to look at where we go. But I would urge everyone to be perhaps realistic here. The government's also got to manage the return of all of the students home at the beginning of December and they're desperately trying to carve out room to allow a relaxation for Christmas. So I, I would say it's unlikely that we'll see much happening in December, if at all. And if you're thinking about crowds of over 5,000 at the Emirates, I still think it's some way into the new year. But fingers crossed, we might get a little bit of movement from December the 3rd. Let's hope so, Tim. Let's hope so. If you saw me looking left, it was because Eddie Nketiah just scored for the under-21. So it was just oh, right. caught my attention. Right, I think that's it from you, isn't it, Tim? Thank you. Tim's around as well. Oh, no, no, no actually, I had one more question for you. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> this Eddie Nketiah just threw me there. I was going to say, actually, one for you, and I'll probably ask the guys later as well. But we, obviously, this whole internationals and going abroad and stuff like that, from your opinion and the work you're doing, I mean, how long can it go on for? If you think about this internet or this international week or two, we've got Mo in uh, El Nenny, who's um, come back tested positive. Thank you, Mo Salah. I hope that wedding is worth it. You've got Pierre Emerick Aubameyang, who said he felt like a hostage last night in the airport or, or whatever when the testing went a little bit wrong. And you've got Willian, who, who there was a picture of, of him in Dubai at a restaurant and. There's now questions. There was a piece in the Telegraph this evening about Willian, and actually he has to now prove he's negative if he's going to be in the squad and all that kind of stuff. So it's a real, it is impacting massively. I know this is the last international break now for a while, but what's your views on all that? Well, the players that are travelling for the international games are moving under protocol that the government have established for elite players to, to, to move around. And that was partly brought in to allow... European football to carry on. After, after all, Arsenal take players in and out of Europe for games in the UEFA League. And it is important because we must remember national football associations, they have broadcast contracts, they have revenues to bring in, they fund the grassroots, they fund many important things. So I see the dilemma there. But on the other hand, you don't want COVID spreading and, and, and you've got to do what you can. So that those are the protocols and the national associations are meant to run strict arrangements for their players when they arrive. William, quite frankly, now that's a disgrace and that could be criminal because has he travelled 
to a country to go to a restaurant and have a bit of a holiday, well, that is against the current laws of the United Kingdom. We are not allowed to travel um, without like a necessary reason. And it's a necessary reason to go and play for your country. That's allowed. But not to go to Dubai for a bit of a holiday. So I expect he might have, if that report is correct, he should have more questions to answer than just taking a test. He should explain why he's broken the law. Absolutely. Um, just one question from Kevin Wright, and I think he's got he's got to the absolute, you know, the main bit of this argument. He has got to the main, you know. Do we think pubs will be open on the third of December to show our? I presume we're playing in the Europa League. Do, <laughs> will, will, will Kevin be allowed in the pub on the, on the Thursday? It depends whether we're in tier two or tier three. I suspect not. Sorry, Kev. <laughs> cool. Perfect. Thank you, Tim. Um, I'm going to switch you over. I'm going to have a bit of a, a, an early substitution. So it's Tim for Tim. Let me introduce you to Tim Stillman, who you'll all know as a AST member, um, writes on Ask Blog, covers obviously the women's games and just generally knows a lot about everything, to be honest. Um, but first things first, Tim, something you probably didn't know much about was <laughs> having children. <laughs> so how's it been? <laughs> not, 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 not the graphical just to make that <laughs> yeah 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 uh, uh, <laughs> but how's it, how's it been three months in yeah 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 really really nice and um yeah the, the fact that my wife was having contractions during the fa cup final against <laughs> chelsea uh, which i watched on an ipad in a maternity ward certainly added to the occasion not least on the saturday morning when i realized debs was having contractions and i thought oh how's it how's all this gonna play out did you miss the goals um, no, no, no. So I saw everything. That was my first anxiety was, will I be able to see the game? And then I dropped that anxiety and thought my first child cannot be born the day we lose to Chelsea in a cup final. And that became like my all consuming thought on Saturday morning. But um, it actually happened the day after in the end. So that turned okay. out to be a wonderful weekend. I do remember uh, Gareth Parker, who's who's quite big on Twitter and stuff like that. He had his daughter the night Thierry Henry returned against Leeds, and he made an absolute uh, that hospital aren't letting him in back again anytime soon. The, the, the scene he created, but obviously we're not we're not here to talk about that. But I'm I'm glad it's all going well. Um, so you. just want to touch on obviously the Arsenal women's. Um, I think probably quite a lot of people watched the game over the weekend um, mm -hmm. against Chelsea. I certainly saw on Twitter it was trending and stuff like that. But I mean, how are the Arsenal women doing? I know it's early, only seven games in, second in the league. Um, but generally, yeah. how, how have they started? So uh, broadly, kind of how you'd expect. They won their first five games with a goal difference of plus 25. Um, really, if we want to campaign for one thing as the AST, maybe we could campaign for like a Joe Montemoro and Mikel Arteta job swap because they the two teams <laughs> have exactly the opposite problems. Arsenal women... Thrat, not just beat, but thrash everyone below the top four effectively, but they have trouble against the teams around them. So they have the exact opposite problem um, that, that the men's team have. So maybe if we could get like Mikel Arteta to manage the women for the big games and Joe to take the men for the for the smaller games. But um, yeah, so they won their first five games. They had a very disappointing performance and result at Manchester United um, the weekend before. Um, Chelsea, they went into with a lot of trepidation because they lost their last six games against Chelsea, really struggled against Chelsea's tactics, but um, played really, really well, drew, but deserved to win. And 
heartbreaking own goal, you know, lucky deflected cross in the 91st minute from Lotto Wubben Moy, who literally five seconds earlier had been announced by the PA, by the stadium announcer as player of the match. Mm. Um, but yeah, they're, they're kind of, they're largely doing as you'd expect, but there are some questions about them when they play those kind of teams in and around them in the league. And who are the next few fixtures against? So they've got Spurs again t- tomorrow night. They've played Spurs in all three comp. That means they'll have played Spurs in all three competitions. Mm. Um, beat them 4-0 in the FA Cup and 6-1 in the league. Um, they're playing in- them in the League Cup tomorrow night. Um, and then there's a two and a half week break because there's an international break. Yeah. And then after that, they've got Birmingham and then Manchester City and Everton before they break for Christmas. So yeah. they've got a game tomorrow night and then they will go off for international. Yeah. Cool. And I remember talking to Henry Winter um, on our first virtual event all those months ago um, at the start of the pandemic. And we kind of predicted how the pandemic would impact women's football at a time where it was getting more media coverage and TV coverage. It was getting more TV picks. It was getting more fans in the ground than ever. And the fear was, is how will the pandemic, how will the pandemic affect it? How do you think that has gone? And do you think potentially it's being spoken about a little bit less than it was this time last year? So I think um, I, I think it's actually a little bit more um, being okay. spoken about, but that's not re- it kind of is related to the pandemic because one of the things that's happened is because of the COVID situation in the United States, which is, you know, the mm. kind of citadel of women's yeah. football, they can't get their league going. So a lot of their big players have come to England just for one year on loan because notionally we've got the Olympics next summer and they will be favourites for the gold medal and all their players want need to play. So a lot of their players have actually come over um, to the WSL this year, which has generated a lot more interest. Yeah. Um, and what's, what's kind of been happening in the background, actually, as much as we haven't had fans in, is because of some really good work done by people at the FA, like uh, Baroness Sue Campbell. Um, is it Sue Campbell? No, Sue Campbell worked for Arsenal, didn't well, she? Well, up till last week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so some really good work done yeah, at the yeah. FA. They've negotiated some overseas broadcast contracts for the first time um, in the WSL on the back of this kind of influx of American and Australian players. So mm. I, I, I don't think the pandemic's had a huge impact in that respect. What, where it has had an impact is exposing some of the gender inequalities and some of the inequalities between teams. So at the moment, you've got this debate because um, under lockdown legislation, men's or boys' academy football has been classed as elite, but girls' academy football has not. So, for example, Arsenal's under-21s, women's under-21s team at the moment is not training. They're not allowed to train, whereas the boys are, even though they use the same facilities and everything else. And um, and this also creates like a knock-on effect for the for the clubs because... Mm teams with small squads um, impacted by COVID, positive COVID tests. They can't call up academy players at the moment because they're not training. Um, So you've got these situations where Birmingham, for example, only named two substitutes, one of whom was a goalkeeper on Saturday evening because they had a COVID outbreak um, and um, they weren't allowed to call up Mm -hmm. their academy players. So Mm -hmm. there's some of these debates going on um, as well, and the problem in women's football as well um, with COVID is that players cohabit, um, a bit like youth teams, old-fashioned youth teams having digs. Women's footballers Mm -hmm. have that. 
So um, like Bristol City had one player develop symptoms. She lives with four other players. Mm. So they had five players wiped out of a game at, at once. So those are the things that are having a bit more of an impact um, really than, than, I, than I'd say like the interest is, is probably mm. slightly higher. Yeah, that's interesting. And obviously, you've been covering games um, recently. What's that experience been like? Because it's <laughs> it's you're you're pretty much the only person who has actually seen probably a live game here, unless there's a couple of people who maybe do a bit of media work. But generally, you're the only person via yeah. your media work. May I add, not you haven't snuck in or anything. Like no, that. no, no. <laughs> and uh, actually, Sunday was the first time I was allowed back into Boreham Wood, and this wasn't Arsenal. Mm. This is Boreham Wood had for some reason, some of the most um, aggressive kind of rules and regs around which journalists they let in. They had this peculiar argument that football journalists aren't essential workers, which they aren't, but neither are footballers. So I don't, <laughs> I don't really understand where that argument came from. But it, it's, been, it's been quite strange, actually, um, because all of the uh, access after the game is virtual. So I will speak to Joe Montemoro, the manager, after the game on my iPad, and he's mm. usually sat about 20 yards away from me, and I can actually hear him um, <laughs> anyway. Um, so like well, those elements... Echo, echo as well. Yeah, no, yeah. we do, we do. And, and actually, I don't, um, I don't really need to go to the games because they're on, and then we get virtual access afterwards to the manager. Um, but I've been going just because I miss going to football, and mm. to be honest, I'm kind of abusing... Uh, the privilege of my position um, but I, I guess one of the other ways um, and I just appreciate if people didn't tweet maybe this little bit out assuming anyone is tweeting about this um, but I, I, those of you who listen to the Askcast um, podcast might have heard James and Andrew talking about how access is changing because it's virtual at the moment exactly the same with the women um, and that's you know I think the club do like that because it's much easier to control a zoom call yeah. Um, and it's much easier to limit people's questions and it's virtual hands and everything like that. So from my point of view, usually I'd just be able to kind of walk up to Joe and have a conversation with him either on or off the record. Can't do that anymore. Player access is more difficult because I can't walk up to them after games. Um, so everything's recorded as well now, isn't it? So off exactly. the record is pretty much gone at the moment. Ex Exactly, exactly. So, the, I mean, there are a few players who I who I kind of know quite well and I can and have contacted um, and kind of just not gone through the club, um, frankly. But but usually I'd just be able to walk up to them at games and, and say, yeah. well, you know, if you've got five minutes, we'll just have a chat with them. So mm. those elements have changed. And I guess from a quote unquote journalist point of view, I've, I've had to, you know, you have to try and make that work for you. And I'm sure anyone... Um, working in in women's or men's football would would say the same that it's been mm. it's been a challenge. Mm. And just kind of last last couple now. I mean, we did have a question um, from from an ASC member who unfortunately can't can't make the event. He's going to watch the recording, so I better ask his question. Apologies, uh, I didn't quite jot the name down, but he was talking about: Do you ever see women's games being played at the Emirates long term? Mm. He himself, his personal circumstance was he, he really enjoys women's football, but just Bournemouth just doesn't work for him um, logistically. Can you ever see that? And I know that's been talked about before. But. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, will, uh, it would have happened this season. Um, unfortunately, it's, it's not going to now. Mm. It's something that they'll do once or twice a season, I yeah. think. It won't happen long term. There, there isn't quite the demand for it. The players don't like it as much just because 
having like 5,000 in a 60,000 stadium feels less yeah. than having like 2,000 in a 5,000 capacity stadium. And also, you know, frankly, Arsenal, they go for the league every year and they will either win it or come close to winning it. And when you do that, you kind of surrender home advantage. Um, so they won't want to do it against someone like Chelsea or Manchester City because it's too important in the title race for them to give up home, the home advantage that Boreham Wood brings them. That they will look at ways to do it. Um, but actually, I think what they're more focused on is trying to get more people in at Boreham Wood and they'll use the Emirates as a, a bit of a selling point. I think they'll use the Spurs games because, frankly, they always thrash Spurs, whether they're <laughs> wherever they play. Yeah, um, yeah. And that's, that's, that's a bit more of a draw. So I, I imagine... It's a big selling season, point too. Exactly. I imagine next yeah. season, North London derby in the, in the Emirates will definitely happen. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to bring Lucy in, um, who's got a question. So Lucy, would you like to unmute? And welcome. Nice to hear from you. If you just unmute your... Um, unmute. Bottom left. Lucy, your hands raised. Ah. Oh. Three. Oh, oh, are you there? No. Three, two, one. Okay. Absolutely absent on my part, but I'm happy to ask a question. Go on, go on. <laughs> Hi, Tim. Nice to see you. Um, hope everything's well at home. Um, from my perspective, watching the game at the weekend, um, I thought that there was a marked improvement in the team from the Manchester United game. What do you think had changed? What do you think Joe had said to them to make them play quite as well as they had done? Um, so when I spoke to him after the Manchester United game, he was very angry <laughs> said that basically they didn't do any of the things he asked them to do. So I imagine there was, um, there was, a, there was a bit of that, but they, they had, well, I spoke to him just before the Chelsea game and he said he admitted they had a psychological block against Chelsea because of their poor record. And uh, the, the thing he said to me afterwards was he told them not to obsess about that too much. He said, like, go out and perform. And if you don't win, don't worry about what people say about the record or things like that. But but also, um, Joe's, um, he's a very details manager. He's, he's tactically very, very smart. And he had a very good plan, um, actually, for this game. Um, Chelsea press teams very, very high. And Arsenal have really struggled with that. But they had a smart way of getting away from that press. And... Um, I, I think I think they just tried not to make too much of a big thing of it, and they just focused on the pure tactical aspect. and And I think you'll see if you watch the game that even though it was a draw, tactically it was a battle that Arsenal won. and And Emma Hayes, the Chelsea manager, said as much afterwards. She said that Arsenal were kind of tactically superior in the game. And just finally, how do you see the season going um, for the women? So um, the, the league's more interesting this year because the last few years it's been Arsenal, Chelsea, Man City, just as like the top three vying for the title and small details decide it. Manchester United are a lot stronger this year. They'll come into the picture. Um, I'm not sure they'll quite win the league, but they'll have a say in who wins it. And Everton as well. Everton have put a lot into their women's team for which they deserve great credit. And they, again, they probably can't win it, but they can beat anyone on their day. So it, it will be really, really tight again. But I, I would say that Arsenal will compete for the title because they always do. Um, and and I, I personally, I think that's something that as Arsenal fans, however in, engaged you are with the women's game, is something we should be really proud of. Because for the last 25 years, Arsenal have probably competed for the title, I'd say 23 times. Mm. Um, you know, we are the historical power um, of women's football and they're still doing it. 
Um, they're still putting their money in. They're still, you know, keeping up with the investment that the likes of, you know, the newer clubs like Man City and Chelsea are putting in. Like, it's something that Arsenal pride themselves on. And, uh, and, and they'll compete for everything. And small details will decide what they win. Yeah, yeah well, I definitely agree with you. It's definitely something we should all be proud of. Tim, thank you. Um, My pleasure. I know, I know you're going to hang around. There is a question or so on the Q&A, so just feel free yep. to, to reply. Happy to deal with those. Um, but yeah, thank you for your time and thank good you. luck for the next couple of months um, with a young child. And obviously enjoy covering football. Shall do. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. And now I'm going to welcome Adrian, Adrian Clark to talk a little bit of football. Adrian, it feels like only a couple of weeks ago I was talking to you on this same event, virtual thing. I mean, how's it been? How's, how's everything going? Yeah, OK. Yeah, all, all fine, thanks. Yeah, it's very, very busy, of course, with uh, with, with so much football going on. It's hard, yeah. hard to keep up, isn't it? But, um, but yeah, no, in general, all, all OK. Um, yeah, just very up and down, isn't it, in terms of, of how Arsenal have been performing? It is, and I'm probably going to get this one out of the way a little bit. Aston Villa at home. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was um, it was a definite off day. I think I think that's an understatement, really. Um, it's hard to explain because because the team was so so good, so pleasing in almost every respect against Manchester United, and you felt right. We've turned a corner here. That's the formula that we want to see, game in, game out. That aggression, that assertiveness, squeezing up the pitch, and 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 none of it happened really. It was a very sloppy start. I think you got to sometimes take your hat off to the opponent. Villa, Villa were brilliant, um, but but yeah, from a tactical point of view, I think that that if Mikel and the team had a chance again, they'd maybe formulate more of a plan to 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 contain Jack Grealish and and Ross Barkley down down that down the Villa left. I mean. They, they they absolutely won their their duels, didn't they? With 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 Hector Bellerin and 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 Rob Holding, that they were outstanding. And 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 I think what was disappointing from, from from you know from an analytical point of view was that we kept making the same mistakes. Um, you know, Hector kept pushing on at maybe the wrong times, getting ahead of the ball, uh, and Jack Grealish just had an absolute absolute field day. So yeah, frustrating. Um, and and let's hope let's hope. That we can we can learn from it, and I, and I guess the other thing to touch on is, and I'm sure we'll get to creativity and, and where the problems are. Oh, we definitely will. Um, get to but that. but yeah, it was it reminded me of the second half against Leicester when things began to go a little bit wrong for Arsenal. You were looking for something different, looking for a response. We didn't really get one. We sort of um, drifted towards the final whistle without mm. giving the fans that much to get excited about. So that 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 was frustrating. Yeah. And obviously a week before we went to Old Trafford and you know what first win there since 2016 in the league. Um obviously Danny Welbeck scored the winner a couple of seasons ago in the FA Cup, but it was the first kind of Premier League win there. You know, everything that happened there mm. was I wouldn't say perfect because maybe we didn't create enough chances, mm. but the game plan worked, you know, everything we did worked. Why did that work so well? Oh, it was tre- it was tremendous. Yeah, it was exactly what you want to see. I think that the central midfielders were, were huge in that game. It, mm. they were, they were colossal individual performances from Partey and and El Nenny or, or Parneni, as as I like to dub them. Um, so yeah, they they delivered. 
I think what was also noticeable was the aggression. Um, it was as if it was as if we sort of learned from from our timidness to some yeah. degree against City and Liverpool, where we stayed in the game and we, we competed, but we weren't really brave in the way that we tried to 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 get at them. Um, and I think against United, Arteta and maybe the players themselves fancied it. They thought they had yeah. the, they they thought they could unsettle United, and they were bold and basically they just squeezed up the pitch. 20 yards, 15, 20 yards, condensed it. And I, yeah, I, I loved it. I just loved it from, from start to finish. And I really enjoyed, apart from the two midfielders, I just enjoyed Gabriel's performance. I thought the way that he breathed down Marcus Rashford's neck and Mason Greenwood just did not give him an inch. That's what you want from an Arsenal centre-half, isn't it? And, and, and it? and it inspired everyone because it shrunk the pitch and it, and it just made it so much so much easier for us. It was a gamble. So we left space in behind and United had got quick forwards, but they couldn't get out of their half. Well, you remember maybe one chance that they had when, was it, uh, Rashford gave it into Greenwood, wasn't it, on the left-hand side and, and pretty much hit it straight out there. Exactly. Um, and, and, and yeah, that was the first. And second half, was... second half, we did retreat and, and whatnot, but that, that's normal. And, and no, no it, was, it was a really, really pleasing, satisfying night, wasn't it? I'm sure every yeah. gooner out there loved it. But... But for me, that's the blueprint. That's the formula. I think we should play with that, those attitudes, those principles in every game, not just yeah. against a, a Manchester United. But I guess, uh, you know, uh, if we put the Villa game to one side and think, OK, <laughs> that, that was a one-off, because I think nobody wants to remember that again. So you've just been to Old Trafford and won. You've then got a home game. What, what, what If you were in charge, what, what would you have changed slightly? Because... You know, M- Mikel played the same 11. Mm. Was that, in, you know, it's easy in hindsight to say mm. it was wrong because obviously we lost. But, mm. you know, going to Old Trafford, Anfield, City, Man City is very different to, to probably most of the other games you're going to play, barring maybe Spurs and Everton. But. Well, you say that. I mean, Aston Villa caused us a lot more problems, mm. didn't they? As an attacking force <laughs> yeah, well, true. than Manchester United. And, and we had an extra defence defensive player mm. there. So, so. <sighs> I don't necessarily yeah. think it was about the system. I really don't. I just I just don't think we were on it. I don't think we were sharp mentally. I don't think we were ready for the pace that Villa started the game at. Um, and when you sl- start slowly, it's, it's, it's hard to, to get your head of steam. And um, yeah, I, I think it was more of a mindset thing in the, in the game. I really do. And, and, and we lacked that gear change. And, and mm. by that, I mean, when we attacked, it was very flat. You know, you had the five attackers down these passing lines that, that we like to talk about in sort of coaching terms. But there was no real interaction, no, 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 no changing of positions. That, for me, is, is at the crux of, of the issues Arsenal have got going forward um, at the moment, not necessarily the system. I really mm. don't believe that. So talking about that and talking about this sort of creative, we mentioned it a second ago and we said, well, we'll come on to talk about it. So let's talk about it. <laughs> yeah. but, you know, is it as easy as actually as you know people are saying in January to buy you know OR from Lior or, or, or you know is it as easy as getting that one creative player putting him in there and actually everything will be okay again because wow. obviously that's one way of doing it but yeah. we can't do that until January and if you listen to Nigel talk about financials you probably can't do it for a while yet so really? yeah. what's the solution short term. Well, yeah, look, that would help definitely yeah, to have a, to have to have that attacking midfielder. We needed Thomas Partey for for the reasons that we've seen on the pitch, and we needed our or someone like him 
to break into the box and, and to make things happen. We didn't get that guy. We still need that guy, whether it's him or or someone else, in my opinion. And, and then I think maybe Mikel would be more comfortable re- returning to 4-2-3-1 with, with, with more of a, an orthodox sort of number 10 uh, or even 4-3-3 with, with, with that guy being the one that pushes mm. on. Um, so, yeah. So, I, so you I, saw me looking left because Eddie and Ketia just missed the penalty. Okay. It, was just, it just got my attention. Uh, he scored it's, enough goals for England. He scored enough, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Exactly. It's not a problem. So, no, I, um, I, I, I think that personnel-wise, we, we, we are missing that link, man. Obviously, with what's happening mm. with Urza, we don't have that guy. The one, the one player we do have available who has shone, for me, brighter than anyone else in the Europa League is Joe Willock. And... It, even though he hasn't necessarily delivered on the Premier League stage, he hasn't produced the goals, the assists um, that he has in cup competitions. Uh, much of playing, a chance, though, isn't no, he? exactly. He's playing with such confidence, such vibrancy. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think we could do worse than take a look at him. I really do. I, I, I really feel that. I think we've played more of a 4-2-3-1 in Europe and he is, is that extra body that just is brave. That, that makes runs into the box, that that wants to take the ball past defenders in and around the box. At the moment, we're very, very square and and flat in our in the way that we attack. There's no combination play. The triangles have, have been missing. It, we need someone to just spark it. And, and 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 I think he's earned a shot. I really do. I think he's earned a chance mm. at Premier League stage. So <clears throat> I really do hope that, that Joe Willock's Europa League performances lead to him. Um, getting a Premier League start soon, and and look, I look, he can finish, he can create. I mean, he's I think he's yeah he's created the most chances. He, he, I mean, he only played twice mm. against Dundalk and Mulder. I know they're easy, easy yeah. games, but but his goal threat was was tremendous in those matches. So so he could he could be one of the answers. But for me, it's a mindset thing. It's about energy, a bit more spontaneity. Um, inside that final third, I think that's lacking. We're, we're too structured at the yeah. moment, and, and and if we find that, then then these players are good enough. Of course they are. I mean, no one no one can tell me the, the, the players that we've got aren't good enough to create more chances. I, I'll chuck some stats at you while you, while you mention it. We're fifteenth in terms of the most shots in the league. Fifteenth shots on target. We're fourteenth chances mm. created from open play. Fourteenth. Um, we're creating under seven chances per game, which is only five teams are, are lower than that. And big chances, and this is this is a stat that will really hurt. Big chances, are, you know, clear cut openings. Yeah. We created eight, eight in eight games. Mm-hmm. And Spurs, unfortunately, I hate to mention their name on you know in this with this audience. Yeah. Spurs lead the way with 21, 21 big chances created, and we've had eight. So it's it's not. It's not working as an no. attacking. Um, we're not clicked. There's something I think does need to does mm. need to be tweaked. Might have to get Tim Stillman back in. So I preferred the bit that the Arsenal women <laughs> all absolutely batter batter them. And um, I was going to ask you actually a little bit about Gabrielle and, and mm. stuff like that. But I'm going to come back to that. Actually. I'm just going to. I've seen a few questions. I'm not going to touch on the the, the players mentioned in there. But a couple of the uh, offensive players we're talking about: Alexander Lacazette. Yeah. Keen to get your view on on Lacazette because it's you know there's been a lot of if you just have to look on social media sort of during games that Lacazette seems to be that you know there's always one or two that mm. fans just generally you know the, the Shackers and Mustafis have all had it and and you know 
various others in the past. But at the moment, it just seems to be Lacazette, you know. What? Where are we with Lacazette? I mean, you know, he, he, he's he's our top goal scorer, I guess, because he's scored in three games. So he started the season scoring goals, hasn't he's gone off the boil a bit. Put in a real battling performance at Old Trafford. Mm. Where are we with him? He, he obviously had the yeah. best chance against Lee um, uh, Villa, which people probably remember. But. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's a it's a it's a point worth discussing for sure. Um, where are we with Alexander Lacazette? And um, I think some of the criticism is is over the top. I really do. I mean, I see it on my own timeline when we're doing the the breakdown live, and you know, I, yeah. I tweet a request for for input half time, and, yeah, and there's a that. lot of lacquer abuse on there <laughs> yeah. that, that that just sort of hogs the timeline. And I, I think a lot of it's harsh. Um, he, he was brilliant, I thought, at United in that defensive centre forward role and winning the ball back. But look. You want him in the box. You want him scoring goals. I think he was unlucky against Leicester. He scored a valid goal, in my opinion. Um, yeah, did. And that, that could have changed changed things for him. But the last game was a worry um, against Aston Villa. Those of you that watched the breakdown will have seen um, that highlighted the fact that he'd been received five passes. For, I mean, five mm. passes in the game. And Ollie Watkins, I think, has received 35 for Aston Villa. Quite the contrast. So... Is that his fault? How awesome was he, by the way? He he was fantastic. Um, And I think his performance, in a way, highlighted where Lacazette is at the moment. Watkins wanted the ball. He wanted to be on it all the time. And he showed for it. And he ran the channels. And he really, really worked. He he made some really dynamic runs. And unfortunately, Alexander Lacazette, for me, has stopped doing that a little bit. He's coming short, coming short, and not getting it. And he's sort of looks fed up a little bit with his body language and and I don't I don't think he's working hard enough maybe to influence the games I think he's 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 letting it get to him the fact that he's not getting the quality service he wants to he wants people to bounce passes into him and link up and he wants he, he, he wants to be involved he's not getting that so he's frustrated what I'd like to see more of is him running down the side of defenders I mean you look at Watkins you look at Son or Kane to some degree. Mm. You look at all of, all of the centre forwards, Vardy, I know the, the different types of players. Yeah. Even Calvert-Lewin, a target man, they will run down the side of centre-halves and really stretch teams. And Lacquer isn't really doing that. So, so yeah, I, I don't think he's playing particularly well at the moment, but 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 he's, that, still, he's still a good player. He's still yeah. a good centre-forward, you know. Is that is that is that the, the sort of the, the way we've lined up, obviously, with kind of wide forwards in Aubameyang and mm. Willian, is actually Lacazette's job not a Vardy Calvin Lewin? It's more of a Firmino in terms of dropping in, getting that ball created. Even Harry Kane's, yeah, you know, I hate to say it, but mastering that as well, isn't he? The whole Absolutely. dropping in a little bit. It makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense with Spurs with Kane dropping in, Abson mm. and Bale, and yeah. and with us. About Aubameyang clearly can run in behind, mm. but is that happening really? No. I mean, it's mm. not, is it? Um, he's not getting the joy there. Either we're not seeing the passes, or he's not making the runs. And to be honest, I think, I think when that happens, you've it's got to be a bit more spontaneous as well. You've got to, you've got to. Why William, for example, when we saw William play false nine at City, didn't we? Yeah. Why it didn't work is a he wasn't really comfortable. I don't yeah. think in the role. Mm. But what, the reason it didn't work is because. He started deep, and when you start deep, the defenders would just say, "All right, fine, I'm not. I won't go with you." Yeah. But what you've got to do if you're Lacazette playing this role is threaten to go in behind, go in behind yeah. a couple of times, and then come short because then someone will will follow you in, 
And that is where create space. you create space. But but at the moment, I think Arsenal are a, a little bit too structured in the way that they they build their attacks, a little bit too predictable. And, and other teams, other managers have kind of talked about it. You can see mm. that they've talked about it. And they'll say, when Lacazette drops in, all you got to worry about is a Bamiang. Do not, whatever happens, do not let Bamiang ring in behind. And no, they've stopped it. So, so yeah, I just, I just feel that we need to have a little bit of a rethink about the way we go forward. And, and, and personally, I think a lot of it just boils down to spontaneity and, and, mm. and, and, and the players having a bit more fun with it, a bit more freedom. I'm going to Eddie Nketiah's just scored, by the way. It's what a, a nice little bend of his right foot. I did. There's a few comments, so I'm just making sure they know I'm... That's all that. Um, I'm going to bring Chloe in in a few seconds. Um, sorry, you can stay, you can stay, you can stay, you can stay, Chloe. I'm just going to cover a few questions before um, she's going to collate some of the offensive ones. But two more I had. Nicholas Pepe. You know, there's... there's there... No, actually, I'm going to go back to Willian. Sorry for a second, because we've talked about Willian a little bit. Mm. You know, he's, I mean, forget what's happened in the last 24 hours with yeah. his kind of Dubai trip or, or whatever. But, you know, he, he started well, you know, against Fulham. He had a really, really good game. Mm. Haven't seen much since. We, we, but, but what I want to ask you about is that sort of 20-minute spell when he played against um, Sheffield United, when he made the subs, uh, Pepe came on, I think Saka scored and then Pepe scored and, and, and Willian was operating more slightly central. What... Not where's his best position, but where what's going to happen with Willian? What what should we do with Willian at the moment? Because he's just yeah. not. It's not a good point. Yeah, well, he's not. He's not playing well, is he? He's not oh. on top form at the moment. If if the Fulham game is is sort of you know Willian close to his best, he, he was really good. Mm. He hasn't been close to that since, has he? Um, he could definitely play central. He could play in that number ten position. Um, I'd like him to be a bit narrower sometimes because. I want players to link with the centre forward. And that's really, really important. We've, because the, especially in that three-four-three, the way we have sort of two holding players, there's a lack of support for the front man. There's a real reliance on the two Y guys to to come in and, and and join in. And and again, it needs to be needs to be done at pace. It needs to be done to catch opposition teams off guard. If you just stay there or start there, then you'll get picked up. So so that it's definitely an area an area to work on, I think. Um, for, for me, at the moment, I would, I would have Pepe in the team ahead of ahead of Willian, um, because I think he's he's earned it in the Europa League. Now he, he's been so erratic. I mean, Pepe, he's, he he can really frustrate you, can he, in games? But then that that goal with his. If you if you look, yeah. and and I've, I'm putting together a, a breakdown special on the Europa League so far at the moment, which I think will come out next week. Okay. Um, when, when you analyse the games, Pepe has, has had big impacts in all three. He's, he's made goals, scored goals. And, and I think you have to learn to sort of forgive one or two misplaced passes or forgive a few frustrating moments because he's got magic in his boots and he can, he can produce those, those special moments. And, and let's be honest, at the moment, we're sort of lacking that little bit of magic, aren't we, in, in the way What's his attack. best position? On the right, definitely, on the right of an attack, um, cutting in. What he needs to do is definitely play closer to the to the striker. Yeah. Um, I, I like him when he cuts in and whips, ball, whips balls into the box, but how many, how many goals has he made from mm. those? Not that many. When you think about Pepe's best moments is when he's in the width of the 18-yard box. 
And then when he drops the shoulder and whips balls in, whether it's a cross or a shot, that's when we've seen him really make the difference. I, I think Pepe's still worth persisting with, even though I know yeah. he can drive. He can drive us all a little bit round the bend, can't he? Because yeah. because he he does some does some sloppy things, but 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 he's also got an X factor, and as we've seen with England and Jack Grealish the other night, yeah. when you've got a player that's got the X factor, someone that can unlock the door with something different, I think they're worth worth having. Right, I'm going to bring Chloe in for a second. Talk about X Factor, it was a bit of WWE going on here. What happened there? And Ketia just got books. It's all happening for Eddie today, uh, tonight. <laughs> Chloe, do we have any questions on sort of the offensive um, part of our team? We'll come on to kind of defence in a little while. We do. So um, I appreciate you've spoken about the need for a bit more spontaneity, Adrian. Um, but Jeremy's interested to understand what your first choice for a front three would be and what position you'd like to see them play in? Mm. Yeah, good question. Um, oh, it's, it's a difficult one because, because you know, what's the, what's the best formation? Um, if, if we're going to say either a 3-4-3 or a 4-3-3, then I think Saka does his best work higher up, down the left, down the left-hand side. So I would have Saka at, at the top um, as a left-winger, I would have Pepe as a right winger and I'd have a Bamiyang down the middle just, just because I think we need to get him into goal scoring positions. It's as simple as that. He might not suit the the style that Arteta really wants to bring in uh, a Bamiyang in terms of that type of centre forward, but you need your best finisher, your best player in the box when the big chances arrive, don't you? And, and he, look, Saka, who's spent a lot of this season as a left wing back, has had more touches in the opposition box than the Bamiyang. He's had more shots than the Bamiyang, and that, that can't that can't be right. So yeah, so for me, I'd go with I'd go with Ober up top and and Saka and Pepe. But you can, you can mix and match. I'd like to see a four two three one, where and you could even have or even a four four two with two hardworking wingers. You know, Saka and a William, for example. As, as two industrious wide men with a Bamiyang and Lacazette up front, creating angles, linking up. That excites me. And, and you could probably supplement in Pepe there or even Willock as a second centre forward if you wanted to, or obviously Eddie and Ketia as well. So, so yeah, there are options. It, I suppose I've gone, gone around the houses, but something different to what we've seen so far is, is the bottom line. <laughs> and, and what are your thoughts on Martinelli? Because he's getting a bit of love on the chat tonight. Um, Lawrence yeah. and Chris feel that, you know, if he was fit, he'd be putting pressure on existing team members. What's your view? 100%, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think, I think Martinelli would... If a fit and firing Martinelli would be in the team at the moment, I think. No, no doubt about that. I could see him in the framework that Arteta is using with Lacazette as that centre forward that also drops in and hunts and, and, and puts off defenders. I think that Martinelli could do that really, really well because he's so busy and, and, and sort of energetic, isn't he? Um, but, but what he would do maybe different to Lacazette is that he would make those runs in behind as well because, because of that's the style. So, so yeah, in that, in that setup, you'd probably then revert with, with the Bamiyang to the left. But I think with Martinelli up top, we would just be a bit more vibrant and, and maybe less predictable because of his positional play. So, yeah, I'm really excited to, to see him return. And, and, yeah, I'm pretty sure that Arteta will love him once he gets to work with him. 
Um, yeah, I mean, think about the goals he scored last year, the, the quality of those finishes. Um, yeah, I, I, he can be a top player. Cool. Is that it from you, Chloe? Well, I thought I'd take the opportunity to just ask about the rumour mill around Ericsson and a potential oh. loan deal. <laughs> I thought there was a question on that. Um, <laughs> but I guess the question isn't, do you think it will happen? Because yeah. who knows? But yeah, would he yeah. fit in? Would he fit in? <clears throat> Could he play or, or is he not the same player he was? No, I don't, I'm not buying the fact that he's washed up Ericsson. I think he was fed up at Spurs and, and just fancied a move and, and, and sort of fell out of love, I guess, with, with, with football for a bit under Mourinho. I don't know why it's not working at Inter Milan, because I don't really watch Italian, if I don't have time to watch Italian football. <laughs> um, I really like him, um, but I really like William. You know, into, you know, it, they're both really good players that are technic technicians that can can supply those those killer balls. I mean, for Spurs, he he was absolutely their chief creator. Um, but but again, you'd have to ask the question: Where would he play? I think he could play in a three-man midfield. He could be that our guy, I, I guess. He could be a yeah. Willock, someone that plays midfield but but joins in. He could be a wide guy that that whips quality into the box, um, and he could easily be the number ten behind an Abamyang, Martinelli, Lacazette, and Ketia. So yeah, look. I wouldn't say no, but I think his wages would be big. Uh, I suppose if if Jack is going, then then you know that would that would even itself out. Um, it's yeah, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because Jack has been such a favourite with managers, and it's really only in the last few weeks that it, it feels like he's he's not not a cast iron starter. Yeah. So it's it's quite a sudden change. But like, I've been there. I've been in that position where you think you're a regular and and you think you've cracked it, and then. Something happens and you and you're on the periphery. So it, it happens in football. Um, I, I, I think with Xhaka, he's, he's had a slight dip in form, um, and that's why he's out of the team. Nothing mm. more sinister than that. Mm. Any more, Chloe? Um, Mekta wonders who might the ideal partner be for party. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll come on to those in a yeah. second. There was one on Smith Row, wasn't there? Oh. Thought we'll just get that one answers. I think Lawrence Shaw has asked that. He gets your point about Willock. Mm. Where do you think Smith Rowe is and do you think he could potentially contribute? Well, yeah, I'm a fan of Smith Rowe because he's spontaneous and, and that when he when he plays off the cuff, things happen. Um, we, we saw that in the European games, the Carabao Cup games. Um, such a shame he got injured. Reminds me of Serge Gnabry. Came in young, caught the eye and then was out for ages and he never... Mm really got a chance again and Nab Gnabry obviously has gone on to, to rebuild his career quite spectacularly I, would I was going to say what did happen to Gnabry <laughs> I would hate to see um, Smith Smith Rowe move on and, and do the same thing in a way from, from Arsenal's perspective um, the problem for Smith Rowe is that I think he, he's a little bit of a luxury player I don't know if he wants to defend as much as some, some other players uh, and, and in an Arteta team, you kind of do need to, to do that. So, so what he needs to do when he gets fully fit is prove to Arteta that he can be trusted in uh, in a midfield role yeah. to without the ball, because I think on the ball, there's no doubt he could offer plenty, but, but the, the crux of his career really at Arsenal will depend actually on what he's maybe not so good at. Can he, show a willingness to to do the bit he needs to do for the team uh, and, and get the trust of the manager. If he gets Arteta's trust, 
I think you he could, could feature. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Thank you, Chloe. We'll definitely come back to a few more questions um, when we sort of move, move down the team. Mm-hmm. Um, but talking about that midfield, and you mentioned sort of the Granite Shaka question and, and stuff like that. Obviously, mm-hmm. he's potentially in line to, to, to start, unless Danny Ceballos, I guess, starts alongside Partey, but with Mo Elneny mm-hmm. out with COVID. Um, who would you say is our best kind of um, centre midfield? And I think I know what you're going to say. It depends on the game. But yeah. but then talk to me about that. What yeah. sort of a game is perfect for who? And- yeah. Well, well, the Manchester United game was great. When you when you really want two workhorses, two guys that can protect, yeah. then then it, it's it's Parneni, isn't it? it? Because they've got such such um, energy. I mean, Arneni's legs are incredible, aren't they? I mean, yeah, frightening fitness levels. And, and actually... He's improved, hasn't he, in terms of his drive and he's he's looking to to be proactive on the ball. So so Elneny and Partey, I like, I, I do like them, but I do feel that we need we need someone to go and join in, go and join in on occasion um, and make up numbers in the box. Now Partey might do that sometimes. Um, Sabios is probably the one to do that. I think I think Partey and Sabios probably. Would be the one that I would go with for the next game. Um, I would I would give them a crack. Sabios for me has, has played quite well this season when he's had his chances. He, he was brilliant, I thought, when he came off the bench against Liverpool. Had one or two iffy games and then got left out and was a bit unfortunate. So so yeah, I think Sabios has something to offer, but I do feel that Sabios is better in a in a three than a two um, because because he lacks that athleticism to, to get around the pitch. He, if, if he's going to screen, he kind of has to stay back. And if he stays back, then he, you're not using his, his drive and ability to play those, those defence splitting passes. So, so yeah, so, so Bios, Jacques and Partey can work. I'd like to see it given more time. Um, I like Saka in there, but I've just said that I prefer Saka in that sort of wider wider position um, mm. purely because I think that's where he does his, his best work. Mm. Um, so look, it's, it's a conundrum, but for me at the moment, uh, Partey and, um, and Sabayas would probably be my pick, but I don't think anyone's nailed it down yet. I think that much is clear. It's, it's up for grabs, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. There's a question actually about Reese Nelson as well. I know we're sort of going back up mm. the pitch a little right, bit, yeah. but it's okay. We can, we can be flexible and fluid um, <laughs> as most football teams should be. Um, but Reese Nelson, what, where would yeah. you say he's at? Is it injuries and what's... He hasn't quite even got that run of games in the Europa League, really, has he? Mm. Started yeah, one, but... felt for him because he got injured uh, yeah. uh, in training ahead of the last game. I'm pretty sure he would have yeah. would have played. Yeah, and he, I thought he was really good against Dundalk, really good. Um, probably Joe Willett was the only one that, that played better than him, I think, on the day. Um, with Reese, I think, actually, a lone move would do him good. Um, I think that he, I know that he, there's rumours that he sort of turned it down to fight for his place, um, which you, you have to admire. But I, there's a lot of competition, unfortunately. And Pepe is sort of number one for the Europa League team at the moment, isn't he? And, and then you've got others. So um, for me, I think a January loan move would, 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 would um, potentially make him as a player. I, I really feel that sometimes going away and playing in a different dressing room with different managers... Um, asked to do different things, playing for points, you know, learning how to play for points every week where it really, really matters um, can can really improve you as a, as a player. So, 
So I think that's 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 where I, what I see for him. He can still make it at Arsenal, um, yeah. but but the bottom line is with Reese, he has to score. He has to score more goals. And Pepe, whether you get frustrated with him or not, when he plays, he usually scores or provides an assist. That's something. Too, Reece, yeah. yeah, with Reese, it's he plays well, but he doesn't always deliver that 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 end product mm. that you need, and 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 that's what's held him back, I guess, because it's not talent. Yeah, do you remember that? That I think it was Mikel, one of Mikel's first games. It was Chelsea at home, and Nelson actually Reese played. I think wide right, and he was he was brilliant. He was he was you know it, a threat, yeah. and he was superb know. against Leicester in the yeah. in the in League the Cup this League year. Cup. And and I thought I thought that was a breakthrough. Yeah, and 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 I said on the breakdown live, I said, well, he's he should be on the bench at Liverpool. He's yeah. he's he's been our best player in this game. He's earned, and he should be someone we turn to maybe at Anfield and didn't make the bench. And 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 I, if I, if I'm in his shoes, that that would be quite demoralising. Yeah, you know, it's difficult for Arteta because he's got so many options. But um, but yeah, I, I I feel that yeah, just just a loan move where where he shines, obviously, because you can go on loan and and flop, and then you've gone backwards. So yeah. it's a risk. But I think in his case, he's got to back himself. And, and pick the right club and pick a team that's going to be near the top of the championship potentially or we're overseas where, where they're near the top of the league where he's going to be involved every week in an attacking team then it, yeah if, if those foundations are in place uh, he should shine oh and going sort of further back now I think we, 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 we talked a little bit about Gabriel right at the start um, but how good has he been? It's a bit of a leading question because you can't really disagree, but I don't think you yeah. would. Yeah. No, no, I mean, fantastic. I really like him. Um, not so good against Aston Villa. One well, of two mistakes. Yeah. But um, who but, was? But, yeah, exactly. They, they all had an off, off night, didn't they? It was just one of those. Um, what I love about Gabriel is that he's different to a lot of modern centre-halves. Most modern centre-halves are good on the ball, which he is, um, and tactically quite intelligent which he is, but they lack aggression and they lack um, uh, just that sort of thirst for, for defending and for, for re really with Gabriel, what sets him apart from, from a lot of the, his contemporaries is that he wants to make life a nightmare for centre forwards. He wants to go through the back of them. He wants to rough them up and get touched tight and, and, and let them know they're in a game and, I do think that like a lot of younger centre halves, and you know, compared to the ones I used to play with or against, they're a bit soft. And yeah, Gabriel yeah. isn't soft, um, and and I love that about him. And and for that reason, I think yeah. I think we've got ourselves a real player here. I think, I, yeah, I've seen a big improvement already. Yeah, um, he was great at City. Yeah, really good at City. Um, he was really good at, at uh, Manchester United. Um, and and yeah, I think that you know the two big tests, yeah. Um, he passed with flying colors, so yeah, look, he's, he's obviously first pick. It's you just got to find someone to play with him, haven't you? Yeah, and then he's been Arsenal player of the month for the last two months as well, which fans yeah. obviously vote for, so he's clearly popular. Yeah. Um, yeah. what you rightly say, he, he, you know, he needs a partner to play with at the moment, that partner seems to be Rob Holding. Um, I remember when we had Smudge on Alan Smith, mm. he, he was really complimentary about holding. He just mm. really thought holding had something. Mm. How would you assess holding's season so far? I know it's been a little, yeah. he did get an injury in the middle, but yeah, you know, generally. 
Well, I think he's a big game player. Um, on the big occasions, he's very rarely let us down. Um, I think that when when we defend deeper, he's better. Yeah, because um, yeah, he, he's resolute. He's got he's got grit, hasn't he? He's got determination. Um, he's got balls. For, you know, for want of a better <laughs> phrase, Rob Holding. Um, and and I think that's why we like him, and we, we we're willing him to succeed, Rob Holding. Um, but but he lacks a bit of pace, particularly on the turn and. Aston Villa really did did exploit that with with Bellerin pushed on, Grealish and Barkley they did have a field day down that side so that that was alarming. Um, now I like him. I think he's he deserves to be in and around the team. Um, I, I still think David Luiz is, is is slightly better in, in my opinion. Um, we in, saw a two? Against, in a two, well, so I mean, he played in a two. He played in a two against City and was fine. Um, I think he played in a two against Leicester. As well, even though we sort of dropped Jacka in as a sort of drop in yeah. centre half, which I wasn't a big fan of. Um, worth a try, but I don't think it yeah. really worked. Um, so he, he was fine in a two in those games, and his passing in that Leicester game was, was awesome, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, yeah. he was our most creative yeah. player at times. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he was dynamite. So, um, but Does with it Darren Lewis, feel like he's trying to maybe. You know, with David Luiz's age, it was only a one-year extension. Mm. Is it a case of he's trying to sort of walk his way out, and Mikel's trying to get Luis sort of just, you know? Yeah, I, I, I really don't old. know. I, I, I think that ultimately Gabriel will have a different partner in a year's time, so it's, yeah. uh, someone new, whether it's Saliba or, or a new signing, but or Pablo Marie maybe. Uh, you know, if he comes back in and shines, um, both left-footed though, aren't they? Then? Yeah, which isn't Might ideal. Be, um, David Luiz, um, for me, when his head's right, he, he's awesome. He, 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 you know, when he gets tight and, and he's brave and against City in the second half, I think it was, he really pushed up and, and, and defended superbly. Um, but, but then in some of the Europa League games, he's fallen back into some different habits where he's dropped 10, 15, 20 yards deeper than the rest of the line. And... And he does this sometimes, and, and that causes a massive problem. That was a real issue under mm. under Unai Emery, where the where the defence was so deep yeah. and and the, the pitch was just huge for opposition teams. And and it, if David Luiz can stop doing that, I think he can he can be the partner for Gabriel. But but for me, probably the three of Dab, Gabriel and and and, and Luiz and Tierney is the strongest defensive unit at the moment with a, with a wing back on the outside or two wing backs on the outside. That's if we're looking to to defend. Um, I think in a lot of the games coming up, we should be on the front foot. I think we should play with a back four and and really and get that extra creative player on the pitch to to you know remedy those those stats that that I was discussing earlier, which which are really they're not good, are they? Um, yeah. so we need to we need to improve on it. Yeah. Um, I know there's a few questions, so I will, Chloe, be prepared to bring you in in about five minutes. If there are, if anybody does want to raise their hand and ask a question, please do feel free. And I think Tim Payton, there are a few. There's one about the European Super Leagues. So I think you can probably answer that um, on the Q&A. You mentioned William Saliba. We've had two questions. Stephen asked a question and Vinny Vias as well, as well as asked a question about Saliba. You know, there's there's some noises about him, transitional year. Um, obviously, the French League, we know what happened there. It got suspended. We know he's had bereavements and stuff like that. But do you think another alone, potentially, you're talking about Nelson, but would, mm -hmm. would Saliba, potentially, does he need a loan? 
I want to see him in, a, in the red yeah. and white, really. Yeah, I think, I think we all do. I, I mean, if you're looking for a guide, you've got Wesley Fofana, haven't you, at Leicester City, who's a similar age, played for the same team last year. Um, and he has been one of the Premier League's best defenders. I don't think there's any doubt about that. He's risen to the, to the challenge. And I, I just, I always say this about young players. You don't know how good they are until you stick them in. Yeah. Until you stick them in with the with the, with the proper players with the first team, and I'd just like to see him have a crack or be given given an opportunity, um, because clearly he's got the attributes. He's athletic, um, he's good on the ball, um, and and you know he wouldn't have signed him for that kind of money if he couldn't defend. Yeah. So, so yeah, look, obviously Mikel hasn't hasn't loved what he's seen in training. Otherwise, he, he'd be playing. But yeah. um, but I'm always a bit. I don't know, I'm not a manager, so it's easy for yeah, me to say this. Course, um, I always think, and I wasn't a sensational trainer, and and I've played with players that weren't great on the training pitch, but when you put them on the weekend, they delivered. And yeah. so I think it's always a little bit harsh to, to judge people solely on on training and even practice games, which aren't you know aren't quite mm. the same. So yeah, look, I, I, I want to see him given a go. Um, mm. When that chance will come, I don't know though. And would you see Mustafi's kind of role? He's, he's only he's, his end of his contract ends at the end of the season, so yeah. there's not much talks about an extension. There were some rumours about he rejected the deal, but I'm not sure talks had even started. But yeah. is he kind of just filling in where and when? And that's think, kind of I, it now. I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Look, yeah, he's he's had some good games. He's had some not so good games, um, but holding and David Luiz. Or should be ahead of him in, in the pecking order, in, in my view. Yeah, and Callum Chambers is obviously coming back as well. He's mm. been sort of, you know, on social media, Arsenal have certainly been sort of pumping that that he's yeah. kind of back in training. And obviously, Mari is to come back. Do you think those two will, or do you, well, will they come back into the team, the squad? Will it just be a Europa League yeah. sort of introduction? No, so it depends how it depends how they train, doesn't it? it? Depends how how you know if if Arteta's liking what he's seeing, then then they'll be involved. I, I liked what I saw of Pablo Marie prior yeah. to his injury. I thought mm. he looked he looked good. Um, so so I think he will be very much in in Arteta's thoughts. Mm. Callum Chambers, I'm I'm not so sure. Because Hector's regained his form, so I think right back is is very much Hector's. Yeah. Um. And, and I don't see maybe not a Don't see him. I don't, see him, two, I don't see him as a defensive midfielder for Arsenal. Um. I see him as a cover cover central defender really. Yeah, and, and and look for the sake of Callum's career, it might be better to have that loan or or even to to move on eventually. Just because you get to that certain age and you yeah you have to play. Um. And we do have a lot of centre halves. Yeah. Cool. I'm going to bring Chloe back in. I can see there's a few questions. I've purposely left out a few players that I know. Chloe, over to you. So um, Dan Cook is wondering what's happened to Ainsley. Doesn't seem to get much gameplay at the moment. Mm, well, it's a good point. Yeah, I think a lot of people have been thinking the same because he obviously got the England cap and uh, on the back of some really good good performances. I think... The, the crux of it is that Bukayo Saka has been really good um, and he's been so good or such a useful player for us in that dual role of sort of hybrid uh, wing-back, hybrid central midfielder slash left winger um, that, that Arteta has just gone with that because we need his creativity. I don't think there's anything that Ainsley's done wrong. I really don't. Um, if Ainsley can 
have a blinder at right wing back if he's given a chance in the Europa League, um, one of the cup competitions, he might be able to put some pressure on, on Hector Bellerin maybe in, in, in that position. I still think he'll get games, um, but that is, it's hard. You've got to be really, really good to sort of stay in the Arsenal first team, haven't you? And especially if you're a younger player. And um, yeah, it's yeah, it's just horses for courses. And, and Ainsley was the go-to guy for the big games, yeah. um, but he missed one, didn't he? I think Saka played at... at um, City, yeah. he was kind of our best player. Well, yeah, yeah, he was kind of our best player, and we didn't look vulnerable at the back compared to previous games at City. So he was just unlucky, mm. and I think you, because of that, he's 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 on the bench now. If you obviously Wolves were quite keen on him in yeah. the summer, would you? If there was a bid for him in January, I know Chris Hudson has asked that. Would you entertain mm. potentially letting him go just to use that? money elsewhere because there are a few positions potentially we can strengthen if you'd have asked me this a year oh. uh, nine months ago I'd have said 100% um, but no I, I like what no. he brings now I really do I think he's a really handy squad player um, whether he wants to be a handy squad player yeah, yeah. is another thing um, but, but you know by the sounds of it he, he is really enjoying it at, at Arsenal under Arteta so yeah. no, I, look, he's, he capped, he's been capped by England because he's yeah. playing for Arsenal Mm. Um, I, I'm not so convinced he would have been capped as quickly if he was playing for Wolves. So, look, my advice to him is stay, stay with the big boys. As, and yeah. I know that Wolves have got a good team at the moment, um, but Arsenal is a, is a different level of club yeah. to, to Wolves. Um, yeah, st- stay with us for as long as you can would be mm. would be my advice because I do think that the manager likes him. Yeah. And you've touched oh. briefly on uh, Hector, but what's mm. your overview? view of his performances this season much much better um yeah I, I wasn't you know I thought he was struggling a bit previously um but yeah this season I th- I've been really impressed with him I think Arteta's definitely improved his uh, defending and his decision making um, it kind of all went out the window against Aston Villa uh, <laughs> where he definitely had his worst game for a long long time and um yeah it's one of those games where he'll want to forget that um, but if you can park that game, I think he's been good. Uh, you know, mm. there have been some really strong performances at, at Man United. He was good, um, especially uh, in Europe. He came up with that big, uh, that big, cr- uh, good cross for Aubameyang for the winner against Rapid Vienna. Um, yeah, no, I, I think he's he looks a uh, up until the Villa performance. I think yeah, it was yeah. the best Hector's been playing as an Arsenal player since yeah. he burst on the scene. Well, he's got back in the Spanish squad as well, so that- yeah. Yeah, that's, so, that's so no, he's doing well. Let's just hope that was a one-off the other night. Yeah. Cool. Thank you, Chloe. Um, we've probably got a couple more minutes, Adrian. Um, okay. I'm just, let's have, I'm going to ask you for your starting lineup for Leeds yeah. just because I think that's always fun. But before I do that, <laughs> before I do that, let's just have a little appreciation for Kieran Tini on, on how good he's been. Obviously, congratulations to any any members we have who are Scottish and in, probably still hungover, and Kieran Tini might still be hungover as well by the looks of the, the celebrations after. But I mean, he does add a different dimension to our game, doesn't he? I mean, he's I know that. Well, it's just so normal. He's just yeah. such a normal lad, isn't he? I, I, I do love him. Um, down to earth, a fighter, loves defending, yeah. like Gabrielle, loves it, loves a tackle. Um, 
good, very good going forward, obviously. No, I, th- I think he's been a, a cracking signing. I, I, I knew he'd be good. I'd seen seen a f- not loads of him at Celtic, but he was always one that had caught caught my eye. And, and I think he can be one of the division's best left-sided defenders if he isn't already. So, yeah, yeah no, really, really happy with him. But I think his character is just as important as his ability, yeah. actually. Um, he's British, and I think it's good to have... Um, strong personalities who are sort of homegrown. Yeah. Um, and and I don't think he'll take any rubbish. Yeah. And if things aren't going well, I think as he gets more and more confident and feels more mm. like a senior player, I think he'll become a, a leader for the team. So, the yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah sure. big fan of him. Yeah. yeah. And just very briefly, Leno in goal. Well, I remember we... I think both times we've it's always been that Leno Martinez um, sort of question. I mean, obviously mm. it's not a question anymore. But before the cup final, we were talking about it at the start of the season. We were talking about it. Mm. Obviously, we, you know, Martinez has gone, so I think we have to sort of get over that. But how would you say Leno's done this season? Oh well, a mixed bag. Um, a sensational, wasn't he against Liverpool? I mean, yeah. that was <laughs> that was yeah. that, that was a stunning performance. One of the best goalkeeping displays I've seen for a long time. Um, I think he's a quality keeper. He had a he had a, a bad night in Vienna, yeah. where he sort of had a couple of lapses in in concentration. But no, in in general, I've got no no issues with with Leno. I think he can play. He will get better at playing out from the back. I don't think he's bad. He yeah. will get better. He's a great shot stopper. Mm. We have to get over the fact that he doesn't have that aura or physical presence of a Martinez when crosses come in. But as long as he's positive and he comes out and punches, you know, cleanly, yeah. he'll be fine. Um, yeah. I've not got a problem with, with, with him at, at all. I, I don't think our issues right now are about individuals. Yeah, I think yeah. it's about getting the balance right between tactical structure and discipline, which was yeah. badly needed. And Arteta has fixed that. We are really disciplined now, really yeah. structured. But we've just, the balance just gone a little bit too much in that favour. Yeah. So what we need to do is recalibrate, I think, and um, and just have a little bit more freedom and spontaneity going forward, create more angles, be more, be less predictable and, and play at a higher tempo with assertiveness. And, yeah. and I think... I think we can. We I think that Man United performance can be repeated over and over and yeah. over again. I really do. So give me your starting lineup for Leeds, then. Let's, oh. let's do that. The goalkeeper. Oh, you put me on the spot in. here. Yeah. I am. I am. We won't yeah. hold you to it. Don't worry. Well, they, they go with one up top, so I think we can go. We can go with the back four, in my yeah. opinion. So yeah, T. Away from home as well. I know there's no fans. Yeah, so maybe it's not yeah, the same. Yeah, Gabriel. I'd probably go with David Luiz for the reasons I've outlined and, and Hector. Yeah. Um, Three in midfield, I'd probably go with. Um, so no one any is there. So you, no, so Partey's it fit. itself. Pa- but yeah, Partey, um, Sabios, and and Jacker if he's oh. Jacker if he's available, uh, and I would go with Saka on the left of our attack, uh, over down the middle, and Pepe on the right, and and let's get out Leeds. They'll they'll leave space. They'll leave spaces in behind. <clears throat> excuse me, for Pepe, for Saka, for Oba to run into. Look at what Vardy did to the lead centre-backs. Yeah. He absolutely destroyed them. Um, mm. They're not great, lead centre-backs, and they have a high line. Oba needs to be spinning in behind those guys all game long, well supported by, by Saka and, uh, and Pepe. So, so yeah, that's what I do. Um, but, let, yeah, let's, let's wait and see. Let's wait, wait and see, see what happens, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've got to see how everyone comes tough up game. from the Tough game. Tough Leeds, yeah. Leeds, are, Leeds are a very, very good attacking team. Um, 
I, I did a piece on Leeds earlier today, so I'm sort of up on their stats. Um, Liverpool are the only team that have had more shots, uh, unblocked shots, so shots that weren't blocked. Leeds are second in the Premier League behind Liverpool, um, so that they really do test you defensively. And Bamford's stats, um, think what you like about Bamford, his stats are right up there with, with Kane and Salah and, and, and Calvert-Lewin in terms of chances. He's getting um, into those positions. That's... Yeah, he, he will get chances in this game. We have to really, really be careful with him. Um, mm-hmm. Gabriel, I'm hoping, will we'll make, make life hell for him and, and yeah. Uh, yeah, shackle him closely. Perfect. Adrian, it's been a joy as ever. The time has gone like that, to be honest. I sort of looked and thought, what was that? Was that time already. Um, so we will leave it there. I'm sure we'll have you back sort of some point next year again. I think you've now become our sort of resident football person, which is I appreciate great. It. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I enjoy yeah. it. No, it's good to speak to you guys. Um, yeah. yeah. And look, it's, it's always good to talk about football, to talk about Arsenal. So yeah, no complaints. And just remind me where people can find your shows and... Uh, well, yeah, um, well, it's various things that I do. But yeah, for Arsenal, uh, the breakdown normally comes out on the Monday. Um, yeah, there's a Europa League special coming out next week, cool. I think. Um, and the breakdown live, look, if you haven't caught it, um, obviously we're not at games at the moment, are we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a really good match day offering, um, half an hour before the kickoff. Then we've got live commentary and half-time, full-time analysis and the fans get involved with their points and opinions that we discuss as well. So if you haven't tried it, give it, give it a go. Yeah, definitely. Adrian, thank you. And thank you to everyone who has tuned in. Um, I'm sure we, we are planning our next couple of virtual events. Not sure if we'll get one more in in this lockdown, but we'll certainly try. But we are planning something kind of um, a little bit more Christmassy and stuff like that. So stay safe. Um, enjoy kind of the football. Enjoy the internationals for the rest of the week. Enjoy the Premier League season, which, of course, now you can watch every game on your subscriptions. You do not have to pay 14 95 Um, which is obviously fantastic. Um, But yeah, most importantly, look after yourselves and look after each other. Thank you. Bye-bye.